Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today, we have a representative from an amazing organization that is promoting learning, but promoting learning in a really cool way. It's a project-based methodology, and it involves the use of creativity and all sorts of different types of media, which is something that I'm super passionate about. If you guys have been listening along or checking out my YouTube channel, you see that I'm a big fan of math music videos and all sorts of video resources to teach mathematics. So Rock Your World, who I'm speaking to Jessica Burnquist today from Rock Your World, we're talking all about that. So just to give you guys a little quick intro about what is Rock Your World. So Rock Your World is an innovative project-based middle and high school curriculum that inspires students to ask bold questions about the challenges they see in their neighborhoods, communities, and the world around them that engages them in the development of advocacy campaigns designed to overcome those challenges. So that's a quick little blurb from the website, but we're going to dive much, much deeper into the mix right now. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I pronounced your last name right, Jessica Burnquist? You totally got it. Okay, so <laughs> before we jump into Rock Your World, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Rock Your World. Oh, I'm happy to. So I live in Arizona, and I've been a high school teacher for about 16 years now. I teach ELA, which is English, um, and literacy arts. And one of the standards that I have to teach to is called writing change. And so about two years ago, during our winter break, I was excited to kind of explore ideas about how I could attack standard in the classroom with sophomores and seniors who are my grade levels. And I typed in writing for change. And one of the first things that popped up online was um, the Rocky World curriculum. And I was blown away by it. And I was also blown away by the fact that it was free. In any case, I'm also a writer. I got my Master's of Fine Arts from Arizona State University, and I also have a Bachelor's in Creative Writing. And so on the side, I do a lot of freelance work. So the writer part of me wanted to let the world know about this curriculum because it was so outstanding. I ended up writing a message to, um, I think there's like a contact button on this site. And my message went to Trisha Valdez who is my co-program coordinator at Rock Your World. Um, and I ended up letting her know I just love the curriculum and would love to connect with her and talk to her more about that. We ended up talking for about three hours. And by the time that phone call wrapped up, I'd been appointed as a teaching ambassador for Rock Your World. And about a year after that, um, I was promoted to program coordinator along with Trisha. So it was kind of an organic occurrence. Um, but I have not lost my passion for this curriculum at all. And it's something I'm very, very proud to be involved with. That's so cool. So now I gave that quick blurb, but I'm sure I didn't do the organization justice. What is Rock Your World? 
Well, I think that Rock Your World is really based in giving students the power to acknowledge the world around them. I think oftentimes youth, especially adolescents, are underestimated when it comes to their ability to recognize that there are things that need changing, but more importantly, that they are the ones capable of making change. And so Rock Your World is a curriculum that lets students explore the origin of human rights, how they started. They get to examine the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that was ratified by the UN in 1945. Um, They get to explore different areas of interest within those rights, identify what moves them the most, what sparks their curiosity and concern. And then they get to use all kinds of literacy-based skills excuse me, in order to create campaigns of awareness. So they're writing persuasively, they're making films, they're writing songs. Um, They're doing things that extend far beyond the walls of a classroom and that have a reach of a large and even global audience. And so when they realize that they can make a difference about an area that they are buying into, that they're concerned about, their engagement levels and their learning seems to, I don't know, it just skyrockets. It's really thrilling to watch. Now, do you think the engagement skyrockets because there is an, uh, there's a chance to be creative, or do you think it's the autonomy, or is it both? Oh, I think it's absolutely both. I think that um, even though there's autonomy in terms of determining what, determining what their area of interest is, there's creative steps throughout. Um, and the fact that they are also collaborating and finding one another's strengths. So to put this in maybe more personal terms, the first time I used the curriculum with my sophomore student, my favorite story to tell about that, um, I had a student who I struggled a lot with, not in terms of his personality. He was a great kid, but he was absolutely not buying into school. He just didn't care. And it was a struggle to keep him awake in class, to keep him working on whatever we were working on at any given time. One of the elements of the Rock and Roll curriculum is that you show um, public service announcements that have been made by students. You also have access to films about things that are going on in the world. And we watched an excerpt of a film called Living on One, which was all about how people have to exist on a dollar a day. He was awake for the entire viewing of that film. And when it was over and the lights came on, a light came on in him. And he said, why don't we know more about this? How come we don't learn about this? And so that was a moment of an awakening for Jacob. And he managed then to become involved on all levels. He discovered creative elements that he had within himself in the way of writing and the way of producing film that he didn't know he had. And it was thrilling to watch his confidence levels just kind of burst and to see his peers who had, quite frankly, maybe written him off as somebody who didn't care, go to him and seek his expertise that he just discovered. So there is autonomy in the actual practice and learning with the curriculum, but there's also this sort of team building and methodology um, that you don't expect that really has to do with collaborative effort. And I think that is just one of the best um, byproducts of working with the curriculum is to see that team building happen. So let's dive into this a little more deeply just so we can get the step by step. So let's say, so this particular project, it began by watching a film where he became aware of something that, that he didn't know. Then, then what were his next sequential steps? 
Okay, well, I would backtrack just a little bit. The very first element of the project was that we explored the 30 articles in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. When students began to identify that it was declared that they have a right to relaxation and rest, suddenly they got interested uh, when they started thinking about how many of these rights they are hearing in the news that are being violated or that are being violated in their communities. Um, it piques their interest. And so as they learn about the rights, the next step then is to become informed. And so they begin to look into those um, areas of interest, those articles specifically, and then they begin to watch the films um, that are that are linked to the site. They also get to look at the Kids' Rights Index um, and the Kids' Rights Report. And after they watch some of these films, the next step then is to say, all right, either on your own or with a partner or with two partners, figure out what it is you want to say. What is it that you care about? What is it that you want to change? And that's when the skill um, practice comes in. So they're writing. They're writing persuasively. They're studying model campaigns. They're thinking about the features and structures of an effective visual campaign. And they're thinking about all the elements that go into convincing somebody to care about something they care about. Um, and so Jacob really came alive after the film process. And I would say when he, re when he asked that question, how come we don't know about this? How come we haven't learned about this? And I was able to say, we just did. And now you get to teach others. That was for him. That was a changing moment. Now, when we have the, the writing piece, so you mentioned they write persuasively, which is a very important skill uh, and definitely one I think that takes a lot of practice and and re in revision and so on. How do you tackle that piece in class? That's a great question. So one of the first things we do is begin to learn from examples of powerful commentary. So on the curriculum, if you mm. visit the website, you would see a section called Writing Persuasively. And the first step involves learning from examples of powerful commentaries, which um, links to um, reading and research and um, examples from like Nick Kristoff of the New York Times, who's written a commentary. Um, and so they, they kind of get acquainted with what that means. And then they begin to define what commentary is. And then they begin to distinguish between facts and opinions. And then they begin to determine opinion and tone. Um, and they start to find their own balance between all of those elements. They are given the opportunity to revise. They're given the opportunity for peer review. And of course, any teacher can use any one of those steps as an entry point, depending on the skill level of his or her students. And then they get to uh, begin supporting their claims. And so it finishes or culminates with the publication of a commentary or a letter. Um, so they also try to write persuasive letters to people in the community or the world who they would like to convince to pay attention to an area of interest. So here's here's what strikes me right off the bat, and I think this has to be. The, uh, I, I'm sure this is the reason why it works or works much more effectively. Because what happens is, and, and we see this in mathematics as well, and also in science to certain to a certain degree, uh, probably across all disciplines. What you see is the, an emphasis on learning certain processes or techniques, but in a in a in a bit of a vacuum. Whereas here, it seems like there's a need to learn these techniques or desire to learn these techniques to further a, a very personal interest and then and then it becomes interesting and then it's not like 
a teacher or some other authority is telling you that it's important you learn this. It's like, well, I, I, I feel a need to learn this in order to make my message or whatever I'm trying to get out there powerful. I, I mean, is that a fair, is that a fair summary? I think that's such a great summary. I think you totally hit the mark on that summary. I think one of the most um, thrilling aspects of the entire curriculum, again, is that it's not some essay that your only audience is going to be your teacher's eyes. Suddenly what they're writing is then beyond the classroom to the world that they live in every day. As a teacher, something that I tell my students constantly is that I have a pet peeve, and it's when I hear other teachers, perhaps, or just folks in the world say things like, well, you'll, you'll need this in the real world. These kids are in the real world. Um, they don't turn into plastic when they go home. Like their, their existences are as real as they get, and they're tuned into things that adults sometimes think they're not. So when you empower these kids to have a say, when you give them a voice, which this curriculum seeks to do, and I think successfully does, they create positive change, not just in the world, but with self. And it makes them lifelong learners. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. We had a project-based project-based learning seminar a year ago. And I remember that was a comment that the, the gentleman, I'm blanking on his name, but the gentleman who gave the presentation, he said over and over, we don't say, I don't ever say to kids when or students when you're in the real world because we are in the real world so that just reminded me of that so i, I want to oh, cool. yeah it was, it was really cool i mean very <laughs> true i want to know i'd love to hear some examples of different media projects that kids have done and for me personally what i'd love to hear as well i'm sure you have lots of these is ones involving music or music videos because that's something that's just pretty personal to me that I, I love to make those and i think they're super effective as far as conveying messages and actually being persuasive as well. That's awesome. So, okay, one of the things that is available on the site for teachers who are listening or anybody who's interested, um, there are sample projects that students have created, and you'll get a sense of how their public service announcements, which are sort of an aspect of the campaigns they create, are formed. So um, in my classroom, one of the things that I think students enjoyed the most was when they got to make their public service announcements. And they watched the samples that already existed on the site. And most of those samples happened to, at the time, have been done by Trisha Valdez's students. She is um, located in New York, and she teaches middle school. And my students were blown away by them. Imagine how they felt when I said, by the way, those are middle schoolers who just produced that work. So let's see what you got. So there was some healthy competition that was sparked there. Um, I think the best part about the writing songs aspect, again, we talk a lot in education about uh, differentiation and the different learning modalities and giving students every opportunity to succeed or to discover a strength that they have in any given content area. Well, we learn about, I don't, I really don't know many students, teens especially, who don't like music. So we talk a lot about how songs inspire, and we listen to music from two lenses. We listen to it as an audience, and then we listen to songs that inspire as though we were the creators of those songs. What things do we notice? What elements or literary elements do we notice that were put into practice? Um, And then they just begin to compose their songs. And while all of a sudden, the shy boy in the corner manages to be a master pianist, you know, and... In the other corner, you have this girl who is a cheerleader, but we didn't know played classical guitar. So all of these things start to fill in um, 
the talents that are, are necessary to write good songs. And I think um, the best way to get a, a sampling of that would be to, to visit the website and check out some of these finished products. But again, one great thing about songwriting um, is that it can begin very personally, but the act of sharing the music, re- it really requires collaboration. And I can't think of many fields in professional um, areas that don't require collaboration these days. So kids are getting all different types of skill practice, literacy skills, um, media skills, musical skills. It just kind of is endless and beautiful. For the music video piece, do the kids learn how, do students learn how to use, let's say, software like Logic Pro or Pro Tools, and are they do they become savvy with Final Cut or things like that? Is that also part of the curriculum? Um, no. I think what we do in terms of the songs is that we give them songs to inspire. We give them tools and resources to help them begin to compose songs. We connect songs, themes to choruses. So we're really focused on the composition of the song. If a teacher had knowledge of those types of um, software programs or wanted to extend their learning, that would be an incredible extension. Now, for I, it, it, a lot of this sounds like social justice types of topics or maybe solely social justice, which actually we do a lot at our school in, in Los Angeles where I teach. We do a lot of projects involving social justice. Have you guys thought about expanding the curriculum to areas like science and math where, for example, just mm. off the top of my head, you could try and look up different problems or even theoretical problems that – might use mathematics and then have, you know what I mean, in a similar vein, go oh, out no, and that's actually... fantastic. Yeah, well, here's one way that we do that. And I, I do want to mention, before I continue, if you, if, um, I'm just going back two seconds to the music discussion. If you um, visit the website under songwriting, we do link to something called playwithmusic.org, and that has some incredible um, getting started places and recommendations for songwriting. But moving on to the question you just asked, in terms of crossing content areas. Um, One thing that Rock Your World does is we work with teaching ambassadors across the United States and hopefully soon um, globally. So our teachers are award-winning teachers who found out about the curriculum, who had a passion for it, sort of like I did, and they teach all different types of subjects. so I have one teacher who is a film teacher and is starting to explore how to extend the PSAs into something even longer or more demanding. In terms of science and math, about a year ago, I led a um, workshop. We partner with the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles, and we offer workshops there um, twice a year, usually, to teachers in California for free, although others can pay to attend. And there were some math and science teachers there as well. And they started thinking about the Declaration of Human Rights, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. If we all have the right to healthy food and access to water, science all of a sudden applies real quickly. Um, How does a village in South America that doesn't have access to clean water suffer for that? What are the diseases that can arise because of that? How can they start to attack that problem? What can the kids do in order to help them develop a clean water system? So I hope that makes sense. There's all kinds of ways to apply those Universal Declaration of Human Rights articles 
two different content areas. Right there, I'm thinking of a very interesting math question that probably could be solved relative, uh, relatively easily as far as just a thought exercise, but calculating the number of people on the planet, calculating the amount of food and water rations that are produced per year or that are available and you know how, how that all works out. I would be curious to actually know because I bet we'd be surprised in terms of Oh, you know what I mean? What a great question. Yeah, no, that's an incredible direction to take that in. I hope you don't mind that I just jotted that down. <laughs> yes, steal that. What a great way to explore. Yeah. So, so, let, so let's think let's jump back for a second and say if we have parents listening or teachers listening even, but let's let's start with parents first. If they're listening and they say, This sounds super interesting, I want to use this to get my kids more engaged in school, but they don't necessarily use this curriculum or they don't necessarily know about Rocker World. What suggestions might you have for parents either at home to engage mm-hmm. their kids or to try and get involved at school to help them to bring this to the attention? I mean, what, what advice do you have? That's such a wonderful question. Um, one thing that I know about a lot of school districts is that curriculum has to be approved by a, by a school board before it can be utilized. And so my way around that was to use it as enrichment in my classroom and to call it that. Um, Another way that parents can maybe talk to teachers about this or get their students involved is to have their students create a club, a Rock Your World club. Um, And they can begin taking like this together so that it is somewhat school associated or school affiliated, which can sometimes help with fundraising or other elements, you know, using cameras or using computers. Um, There's no reason why a parent couldn't just go online with their student and or a guardian for that matter and look at the human rights and and go through the steps together. Um, But I think it becomes so much, I don't know, so much more valuable or life-changing when it can be done collaboratively. And so our recommendation is to start a club. Now, this coming summer, um, Rock Your World has interns called Visionaries, Creative Vision Visionaries, and they're going to be leading um, several youth summits. And so I can keep you appraised of that, and um, we'll have information on the website about that too. The youth summits are geared at helping parents and students either start clubs or create um, little associations that have to do with the activities on the website. Very cool. Now, you mentioned that there's all this, there's a big body of work that is currently on Rock Your World submitted by students. How difficult is, is it or what is the process? Because I'm sure this would be a big motivating factor for students. What is the mm-hmm. process for them to send in work and have it featured on the Rock Your World website? Well, there is a tab when you log into the website where if you have been doing work for Rocky World, you can submit it to myself or to Trisha and we'll review it. And if it if it's um, ready to roll, we won't only just feature it on the website, we'll also tweet about it, put it on Instagram, share it on Facebook. So we're definitely hooked into the social media realm. And it's kind of exciting to be able to share um, your finished products with students who've seen your work, but also with the larger community and we try and reach that community at large for the kids who've done the work. What's your biggest takeaway from your involvement with Rocket World as far as how students learn optimally? Meaning for anybody out there who may be a little hesitant or resistant to these new types of teaching like project-based learning or so on, what's your biggest takeaway as far as 
how they actually change the way kids think? Hmm. My biggest takeaway, I think, would have to go back to this idea that when you recognize that a student, a young person, has the right and the ability to acknowledge something in the world that needs changing and then to go forth to make that change, when you can help empower a young person to create change that gives them a sense of intrinsic reward and a sense of contributing to their existence. And I just don't think there's anything better to see. There's something interesting that Bill Clinton once said. I can't remember who he was being interviewed by, but he once made the statement that giving money away to, to charitable organizations is the most selfish thing you can do. And But he meant it as a positive thing. And I think what he was getting at is when you, let's say, give money away or you're doing something to help others, it feels so good and it's it's so rewarding, like you said, intrinsically that it will spur you to do more and more and, it, and it's probably the best thing that you can do for others and for yourself. And I think that's essentially a big part of the message of what you guys are pushing through. And I think, I, I think that's awesome. I, I really like that. I'm so glad you shared that. And I think ultimately you're right. It really does turn these kids into global citizens. And I think that's critical these days. So Jessica, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I know you have a busy schedule and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat about Rock Your World. If people want to learn more about Rock Your World, how can they do that? Mm. They just need to go visit rockyourworld.org or they can look up on social media on Twitter um, at Rock 70. And that's, those are great places to start. Awesome. And so, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have spoken to you today. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. Yes, this is awesome. And I'm, I'm grateful as well. This was really fun. And I'm definitely going to check Rock Your World out to try and integrate into our class. Not only that, we go to the Museum of Tolerance. We're in LA. We go there every year. Okay. We take our class there. So we should definitely connect when you're on oh, this let, side. That would be incredible. We're there this year, October 21st and 23rd. And again, on March 11th and March 12th, it would be wonderful to meet you in person. Yeah, that would be great. In fact, what we usually do is we usually time it with when we read the diary of Anne Frank. And, I, and that happens Perfect. in the springtime. So yeah, let's definitely connect when you're in, in town. That's so cool. Oh, thank you so much, Hussefa. That is so great. Yes, it's awesome. I'm excited. So guys, if you didn't write that down and you didn't get the, the URL down or all that information, don't worry. It will be in the show notes. You can check out the show notes at scalarlearning.com in the podcast section. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. we got new episodes dropping every Monday. And make sure to check us out on the YouTube channel as well. New live streams every week, new math music videos every month. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Skinner,